This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Welcome to another edition of Double Tap Canada. Thank you guys so much for being here. I am Marco Flalo sitting in once again, I'm told for the final time for Stephen Scott. I am joined by none other than Sean Priest. Sean, are you happy? It's the last time in perhaps ever. I'll never that you're say have never. You're going to have to do the show without Stephen. No, I've, I've grown used to your ways. I'll be honest with you. You grow on me like mold. Wow, like a good mold. Wow, I don't. I don't even know what to say to that one. Sorry, no. Wow, I'll, like I'll, I'll be sorry to see you go. You don't. You'll be back. I know you will. Now, in last week's show, um, uh, I understand that there was uh, something I said that you cut out. And uh, <laughs> Please don't bring I this up. I figured we'd start this week's show just by talking about just that. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> no, want to do that. there's a reason I cut that out, Mark. I know. You know, it's, I understand. You're a little bit more cautious. Correct. And that's why you are the person that assembles and edits this show. <laughs> it's to make sure that you are the voice of reason. You make so that me when, so nervous. <laughs> so that when I say that Stephen has some kind of venereal disease, oh. um, you know that we should take that out. Edit point. And I was joking, guys. It's a joke. He doesn't have... Stephen's fine. He's doing great. He's going to be back on the air next week. I'm leaving that in now. Mark. I know that, you're leaving that in. That's why, that's, it. that's why I said it the way I did, because I figured that if I called it what I did last week, you, you might want to take it out again. Right. But in context now, I think it makes sense. I wash my know? hands off the whole thing. That's it. It's all down to you. <laughs> What I really enjoy is I really enjoy getting the texts from Stephen saying that Sean's worried. Uh, he wants to take out the point where you said that I'm uh, and I'm um, just take it out. It's fine. It's okay. I understand. It's better on the air on the side of caution. That's what. But yes. you know what? You know what? In my entire broadcasting career, and we're talking about over twenty five years now. Oh my god! You're an old man, Mark. Wow. What's going on there? Um, yeah, over twenty five years, <laughs> I have yet to swear in front of an open microphone. Um, I have yet to do anything that would cause me to be removed from the airwaves. So I'm not going to start now. That's all because of the editors like me that, that save you every week. But I'm one of those. I'm one of those editors. <laughs> like that's, you know, I prefer doing that than hosting. Like I'm not a, I'm not a host by, by profession, by trade. Like I just, I, I happen to fall into it because I guess I do it okay. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, 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 I prefer being on your end where I get to edit stuff out. But, uh, like, look, come on, I must tell you though, Sean. Move on, move I on. I have some great tape of other people. Oh, making some phenomenal blunders. We'll have to swap bloopers at uh, one time. We'll wait for the Christmas party. I bet you mine will, will absolutely. <laughs> be, and I, honestly, I think it needs to be like a fireside storytelling session because there's a story for each one of them. And um, and I'm going to have to put these together because this is probably this is why everybody tells me I need to write a book of some kind. But uh, but I can't. I don't have the energy oh, yes. to write a book. I just I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Well, you're good at talking. Just make it an audio book. Yeah, there you go. Make it an audio book. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, how you doing? How you feeling this week? Anything exciting that uh, happened to you in your shed? No, no. As ever, nothing exciting happens to me. I uh, I love my shed. I love the shed ecosystem, and uh, I'm happy in here. And it's all great. I'm feeling well. The family's all good. So yeah, I'm happy to be honest. Anything tech-wise that kind of took a, you know stuck out to you this past week? Uh, I. For one, um, you know, the, we're recording this on a, what is it, Tuesday, Monday, Monday night, DJI, my favorite drone manufacturer, probably the de facto drone manufacturer yes. in life, um, released a brand new drone, the Mavic Air 2, <gasps> which is uh, kind of fun. Not really 
totally relevant for people who can't, uh, you know, obviously fly these things with uh, line of sight. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're real. They're real fun. I, I must say, they are real fun to fly. And I, uh, I want to take you and Stephen out to fly one of these one days in a nice open area because I think you'd have a blast. Oh, so we can stand next to you while you fly the drone. You have a little bit of vision. You have enough <laughs> vision. I think you'd have fun doing it. You know what? Actually, drones are. They do seem cool, and I would. I'm really interested to um, to have a go. I mean, because of all the GPS, you know, you got the "come home" button. I'm scared, you know, that you press and it just comes back to you and it does. and lands at your position or whatever. I mean, that sounds like it's perfect if you can't see. But again, they say you need that line of sight, which sort of. Well, but yeah. you know what? You're you're allowed flying them if you have a spotter with you, someone who can maintain that line of sight for oh, you. Where's so the I fun think, in that? No, but I, th- I think there there is fun. I think there could be a lot of fun if we go to a nice big open area and we get what they have the dji goggles which are basically a vr headset that allows you to see a first person point of view of what the drone sees so i think having that on in the nice you know by really kind of secluding your your vision and letting you focus on what's going on yeah i think you might have some fun with it i think that anybody who has a little bit of vision might have some fun with that i think it's a fun experience to uh to, to fly a drone it's a little it's kind I of just... like freedom yeah, well, I just like the technology. It, it does. Yeah, it's neat. one of those futuristic thing drones, especially when they, you know, the goggles and you got drone racing, and you think this is like something out of Star Wars. But that new DJI drone, there is a new technology in the um, aerospace detection. Is it? Yes. Yeah, so that's it's only going to be available on the U.S. model to start because they don't have all the clearances they need. But it allows you to be notified as the pilot if there's an aircraft that's nearing or if there's something that's going on. The, the real benefit of this technology is is the opposite way. It's obviously for other people to detect where drones are, because uh, if you are flying a plane, you don't want to accidentally get you know nailed by a drone. Yeah, uh, this because this is a they big can drone. Cause major damage. Yeah, it's quite a heavy thing. This one, isn't it? And uh, yeah, that that was the the thing I read when I read the the report on it was the the fact that it gives away its position as well to I don't know what the system that aircraft use. It's some sort of universal system, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's it's interesting because, and, and I've flown drones for probably about five five or six years now. Um, when the first drone, which was a, a DJI Phantom, um, I took it up. I remember I was in California with my my co-host for another show. I do Mitchell, and um, uh, it was you didn't have all these assistive systems with you, so you, you didn't get the immediate. Oh, look, it's balancing. It's perfectly level. You just it's crashed come it. back. And, yeah, well, I did several <laughs> times. Several times. And uh, he always told me, he goes, you got to master the art of a, a smaller drone, the mini ones, before I'll let you fly the bigger ones. Because the mini ones are really hard to fly. They No, no assistive system whatsoever. Really, really hard. But now, now it really has gotten to the point where I have no problem handing the remote over to my son and saying, here, go fly this. Because... With all the assistive systems that are in place, he's not going to fly it into a wall, whether he goes forward, backwards, or side to side. Um, although this new one doesn't have the side to side sensor, it's only as forward and back. And Ooh, up and down. boo. Yeah. That's a challenge. Um, but I mean, it, it really depends. It, it, it is a lot of fun, but they, they have made them really kind of, kind of brainless to fly, but you can also turn those features off. So if you want to get more advanced, I kind of, you know, it's funny. I, I told the story last night. Someone asked me, what video editing software I use. And I said, I, I've used Final Cut, I use Premiere, I use Premiere for higher-end stuff, uh, but Final Cut's a great way to start because it can be really easy, but if you want to use it for the higher-end stuff, you can. You just need to actually use it for those things and unlock those features. Dig Whereas it, yeah. on Premiere, you don't have that kind of 
easy kind of just get in and oh this is how you do stuff yeah so i kind of the drones are, are kind of the same way but they're expensive at it's expensive hobby you're looking at about eight hundred dollars u.s so you know typical about, about 800 euros yeah. um they are expensive. And, and you need to have permits now. I mean, if it's over 249 grams in weight, you need to have a specific permit. Um, you know, then there's various levels. I know in Canada we have we have two levels of permit. You've got the basic, which is you got to go through just a bunch of theory online, and it means you can fly not over crowds, not near buildings, not near people. But it's you know, like open field is fun. It it really is. But the, you know what? It gets even more complicated when you try to go for the advanced license. It really is. All the questions are, are almost have nothing to do with flying a drone. It's more about the airspace and the rules and everything that goes along with it. Because when you do get that license, you are able to fly over people, and there's a lot more safety involved. So you really have to pay attention. And I'm all for it, by the way. I think that if it weeds out the stupid people, yeah. And I've seen people stand in 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 uh, in approach zones for airports who love taking pictures who have graduated from taking pictures with their camera to flying their drone there to try to get good pictures. Yeah, it like, is. Those are stupid. I'm sorry, but that's – and I hate to say people are stupid, but that's a stupid decision. You know, yeah. That is just not you, – you clearly lack common sense, and it's for this reason that people like that need to qualify for the test. And that's why these alert systems are in place because the drone will not even take off in an area like that, and you cannot bypass it when you're that close to an airport. Yeah, which is – yeah, which makes total sense, you know. Because not only are people, some people stupid, we should, I should caveat that, but, um, you know, for security reasons, it makes total sense. But what do you think about using drones? I'm assuming you use drones for fun and maybe for shooting video? Um, you know, I, I've never really used any of my video that I've taken in a drone professionally. Right. Um, I've used it more for leisure and more for fun. I've always, you know, I try to be very artistic and get these beautiful shots and stuff like that, but I've never used it professionally or commercially. Um, for what reason I don't really know. I don't. I don't think the opportunities come. <laughs> I haven't up needed there, to. You're not filming a car advert or something. But no. But I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love to be able to like. I mean, I've seen some of these shots. There's a guy in Florida who calls himself the cruise ship chaser. Oh and, wow! Uh, he follows them with his drone as they leave the port in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and he goes pretty far out, like four or five, six, almost up to eight kilometers, which is pretty much the max the max limit on these drones the new ones 10 kilometers how many has um, he lost on the way back he hasn't lost any <laughs> not, none that i found but it's just cool to see him chase the cruise ship and he actually has coordinated it sometimes where he's got some reddit boards and people have followed him and people who are on cruises are expecting him to like do a flyby so they'll have like a sign waiting for him which is kind of funny but Why? i mean those kind of things are really neat where you take it to places that you'd never be able to go yourself like to the top of a crane i did that once which was really neat I did see one where someone was sunbathing on top of one of these, you know, massive wind turbines. And you think, wow. Oh, my God. It, it, that just getting that whole new perspective is amazing. But what about the more serious aspect of it, though? What do you think about drones delivering? Um, I, I think they're, you know, as long as Is that as ever going to happen, really? It is. I mean, it is happening. They're talking about it happening even now with medical supplies yep. to areas that they just can't get to, like uh, over small bodies of water. You know, if someone happens to be living on an island and they need medical supplies for whatever reason, you can't get over there by boat quick enough. They're talking about pharmacies using them to deliver, just kind of drop smaller objects. I, I'm okay with that. I mean, if they get the system really, really down, but I mean... I'd have to see it in action with lots of drones to make sure they don't collide. They do have that. They do have that in place now. They, I know over here in the UK, they have uh, hospitals that will send blood samples between hospitals, you know, for testing or whatever. But I'm just mean from a um, a more 
individual point of view. You know, are we ever going to get our Amazon deliveries straight to our doorstep um, via drone? I, I'm just not sure, for one thing, if the GPS and map data is up to being that. Oh, uh, it is. Do you think? Oh, it is. And I, I could tell you a story because about three weeks ago, of course my wife you could. You always wonderful- can. No, no, I know. My wife made me these little cinnamon buns, and they were great. And I'm like, you know what? We should bring them over to our friend's house. I'm like, better yet, I should fly these over to my friend's house. <laughs> got so, go one better. So I you. strapped this little plastic bag with four, four little, you know, uh, just little little ties um, to the drone. Um, I didn't get very far because the drone wasn't very happy with the payload. Right. So it was kind of bouncing all over the place, and I wasn't very confident Skipping about the floor. it. <laughs> but what I did afterwards is after I took it off, I decided, let me see if I can map the route there. And DJI has an actual uh, a pilot app that's a more advanced app that works on some of their higher-end drones that you can literally enter coordinates and create your flight path in whatever way you want, elevation, um, distance, and you hit go. And it flies that path and does exactly what you expected it to do. And without without any hesitation, my friends looked up and they saw it there when they expected it to. And it was extremely precise. So I think that if Amazon or UPS or any of these companies, you know, they have to get closer to obviously the area in which they want to make deliveries. Yeah. But, you know, through cameras and, and through control, they can automate this pretty well. And if you can lower it down, I wouldn't say a doorstep because that gets pretty close to a home. But if you can hover over somebody's house, just right over the house, and drop it maybe on the sidewalk or on on, on the grass, uh, in a way that terrible. You, know, you think? Oh, well, it is for me. I'll never I mean, find it's a it for the Zet. Well, well, that's yeah. <laughs> Although in lockdown, actually, I, I I'm sort of coming around to that that way of delivery because I've had so many deliveries now where there's just a knock on the door and I go to the door and there's no one there and then I just but hear a, a shout somewhere. from the street yeah. saying it's at your feet or it's on the doormat or it's in the garden you know it's like, okay I'll find it and then I and step then on it and break it, it and send it back but you know uh, yeah I think it would be really convenient though but, you know we're, we're at a point now I don't know how it is in Canada when it comes to you know next day delivery how because your country is vast Canada's massive um, but in the UK everything is next day you know so you can order it at nine o'clock at night and you've got it in the morning it's amazing but oh, even wow. that isn't quite fast enough for us now you know we want our no, we're delivery. spoiled now we want to, yeah we want it exactly today. i yeah. mean amazon is opening a, a distribution center in montreal proper where i live um so i know that in or in densely populated urban areas like toronto they do have one hour delivery they have same day delivery um i would like to see that but i think i'd get so used to it that i get frustrated when something takes longer than a day exactly like now with with all the covid nonsense going on i call it nonsense it's not nonsense um, the fact the <laughs> fact that that deliveries are kind of a month away even though by the way even though it might say a month place the order because it tends to show up in the next couple of days uh, yeah that's um, right it does yeah um, even though it says a month, it still gets there, but it frustrates me because I want, for example, I have a gate in the back that I want to, I want to shorten the gate, add some hinges and stuff. So I'm not going out to stores because my wife is forbidding me to do so. And I understand. Yeah. So I'm ordering everything. I mean, we're ordering everything. Amazon, you name it, we're ordering it. Clothing from Old Davy, shoes. I mean, and when we don't get it in, in two or three days, we get annoyed. We have a tantrum. Um, I know. We are a bit yeah. spoiled now, aren't we? Do you remember the days when we used to go to shops? Ah, they were the days. Those were the Back in the days. 80s, I think it was. Back in the, No, it was actually about 50 days ago. <laughs> Not for me. I remember, yeah, well, that's, a, that's a good point. But I think this is the... Listen, this is no doubt has fast-forwarded our dependency on the online e-commerce. I mean, if, if you weren't doing it before, if you had no faith in... For example, we never did online groceries. 
Now I don't really? see a reason for me to go into a grocery store. Why would I risk myself? You well, know? that's why I read an article today that said the weekly big shop is back in fashion. Now, I never knew it went out of fashion, but apparently the trend was for the last few years that people would just pick up bits and pieces as they were going to work. As they go along. Especially in places where people commute a lot or people are walking on foot a lot. They'd go into the grocery store, grab a couple things they want for dinner that night, and then move on. I think when it comes to having children, you you tend to start doing the bigger grocery orders, so you you stockpile a bit more because you want more in the house. But Single folks, I mean, they're, they're going out and cooking for the next day. Oh, but I think that you're right. Single folks get on my nerves with their lives and all. Their lives and <laughs> quiet time. With their it potential. up in the morning. <laughs> they can record radio shows with a little steps yeah. coming down. But the weekly <sighs> shop, and I'm assuming this is mainly down to the online shop. You know, people are really, okay, Friday is the, uh, the shopping day and, you know, you get your delivery. But I, online shopping as a whole, I know I brought this up before, you know, I, I think it's something that... It does get lambasted a lot, and it's, it get villainized. You know, oh, it's terrible. Look at these um, these local shops going out of business and things. And yeah, but you can you can shop local online you, now. Exactly, that's what's happened now. Is that all these smaller shops that didn't have these services before? And I know a web designer, and this is what his big business is in the past couple months is helping a lot of these smaller shops get online with e-commerce, and. It's forcing people into using systems like Shopify and and various tools out there to actually sell their wares online. We're buying, you know, fruits and vegetables, but in the bulk, we pay a hundred dollars, we get four giant boxes, and it comes straight from a farm, a local farm. Yeah, so yeah, we've got the same thing here. I've just noticed a big network of uh, the corner shop, I think they call it, and it's exactly that. And do you that- have that app, the corner shop app, that lets you shop local? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, it was a, a website I saw in the uh, – we have something called the Neighborhood app. I'm sure you've got something similar. Okay, yeah, we have, we've got similar things. There was an app that was released um, called Corner Shop. And what they do is they have people out there who are physically going and shopping for you. They charge oh, a small cool. premium, but it's worth it. I think it's absolutely worth it. It's a very cool idea. Timing yeah. was great. And, of course, with these – these like Shopify you mentioned and WordPress plugins and all these e-commerce systems which are pretty much just off the peg you know WordPress is totally accessible for someone to set up on their own no site assistance and um, built into that is accessibility to the most part there may be some uh, unlabeled elements or whatever but for the most part there's lots of good accessibility of these um, these CMS style shopping uh, websites that are popping up so yeah it's all good yeah, no, I find it, listen, I've been buying pool supplies online, I've been buying everything, like, honestly everything. The only thing is annoying is, like, you know, like home repair stuff, where I used to go out to Home Depot or go out to a hardware store and get what I need right away to do what I want as quickly as I want. I, I find myself putting off to the weekend, but um, but I'm okay with that. It, it, yeah, it, I'm it gives okay more, with that. I put everything yeah, off till next year and never do it. <laughs> <laughs> this radio show, you know, let's stop, let's put this off till tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, so this week, I know, I know that you were looking into Apple's accessibility conference and the stuff they were doing online. Anything strike you as interesting that came out of that, or or just in, even in the way they presented information? I'm still waiting for the videos to be put up if they are going to be put up. I did check out the Apple accessibility website, and they usually put up the um, WWDC sessions. Uh, they put the videos up, but there's nothing there, and I haven't read anything. So maybe it's a little bit too early yet for any of the information to come out. One thing I did see about iOS 14, though, when it comes to accessibility features, is a new one for the hearing impaired. And that's the ability for iOS to detect 
certain sounds. Uh, this sort of reminds me of the uh, Amazon Guard feature on the smart speaker there. Have but you used that? Because I turned that on and I have to. We don't it have it because... here yet. Uh, I really oh, want to okay. try it out, but there's a lot of things we don't have in the UK when it comes to the Amazon service. But So you don't like that? No, you know, I, I turned it on for the fun of it. I mean, I have an alarm system in my home. I have I have glass it's break detectors. It, it is gimmicky because anybody yells or screams for whatever reason, whether it's a spider or just my kids playing around, <laughs> it says, oh, we detected something going on in your home. And yeah. I, I get what it's there for. I mean, it's cool because you can create some automations off of it. Here's the smoke detector or something like that. But yeah. I find it a little, little bit gimmicky. Well, uh, well, uh, hopefully the Apple one isn't going to be like this, but they, they're, they're bringing in a feature for the hearing impaired where it will detect sounds and specific sounds such as um, doorbell, door knock, uh, siren or baby crying, uh, gra- glass crashing and smashing. So okay. and it will alert you to those sounds. Now, of course, how this how well this works in practice is who knows, but Apple do tend to nail this stuff when they do do it. So uh, this could be really interesting. Um, but aside from that, I haven't seen anything yet to come from the accessibility sessions, but early days yet. I like the uh, automation elements that you can use. Um, I don't know if you use any of the HomeKit stuff on your iOS devices. Um, no. I went completely HomeKit on my home. We're like, I'm talking about light switches, uh, door locks, uh, door sensors, window sensors, I've even uh, hacked it so that I could use my alarm system with HomeKit. Cool stuff. Um, Didn't like the sound. Th- well, of that. I hacked it because because there's certain devices that are not HomeKit compatible, but there are third-party apps on Raspberry Pi that you can install. One called HomeBridge that allows you to take any of those Z-Wave compatible devices or or non-HomeKit compatible devices like your Ring Video doorbell, yeah. and it brings them into the HomeKit app. Well, so that's cool. suddenly all those tools, all those things you didn't have before, for example, I couldn't make a trigger where if my doorbell rang, a certain light would turn on. Or if my front door was locked, for example, I couldn't trigger certain lights to go on because they were tied into my alarm system. Now I can go crazy. I can make it so that when my alarm panel arms from a specific panel, it does certain things. So all these automations, for example, with whatever it could detect hearing-wise, imagine, for example, you have a newborn baby and you're hearing impaired. You can make it so when when it detects your baby crying, it could flicker a certain light. Um, Or when it detects, Ah. you know, glass breaking or or doorbell ringing, it could make an announcement in other places in the house that you may not be able to hear it. So there's really the way that they handle automations in the home app on iOS is quite good because it really is that if then this that format. It's basically choose a device. Okay, if this device does detects motion or doesn't detect motion between what hour and what hour, if this person is home or not home. So many conditions and so many ways you can tweak it. It really makes me look forward to the time when my kids are going to have phones. Because once they do have phones <laughs> and I can use their location... There's no sneaking in and out of the house Oh, this is going to be great. Can you imagine like, when, 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 when all four people leave the home, <laughs> arm the alarm, turn off the water, lock the door, make sure the dog gets a nap. Like, I mean, there's so many things you can do. <laughs> the house of and, tomorrow... Yeah, or you can have it when you know when my daughter gets home from school. Make sure the fridge is locked and the pantry is closed, <laughs> so she can't go. You know, this, <laughs> but don't we you could think home, do these things? HomeKit is a little bit closed. I mean, of course, it's Apple. It's the walled garden, right? But don't you think when it comes to this smart home stuff, it all we need this protocol to be universal. This this HomeKit is so narrow at the minute uh, compared to something like the you know Amazon Echo. It, it was, it was, but it's getting a lot better. It's getting a lot better because more – what happened was is when they first launched it, it required a specific chip. 
And in order to get this chip, you had to go through this whole process to get your device. And people weren't doing it because of the cost. Yeah. But they switched that to a token to be software. So now anybody who wants it can do it with no cost. They just have to get a token. They have to apply for it as a developer. And it doesn't cost them anything. And suddenly you can make it HomeKit compatible. This is why we're seeing a lot of cameras come on board that are now HomeKit compatible and more and more devices. Plus, I know that Apple and Google and Samsung and a bunch of the companies are working together to make uh, a lot of cross-platform things available on the home side. So we're going to see, I think, uh, the evolution of this over the coming years where everything is going to be able to work together. And I'm so looking forward to that. I know that some people look at me and they're like, you're, you're nuts. Why are you doing this? No, I'm, like, I'm, I'm oh, with you. As soon as you I want just my take... sprinkler to go on. I want my lights to go exactly. on. I want everything. As soon as you take yeah. that little step, you know, whether it be a light bulb or a video doorbell, whatever it is, or a smart plug is where people usually start. It, it really, I don't know. I get the bug for it because you can see the potential. You know, you can set up. I don't know if it's like a coder, the, the latent coder in me. I want to be a programmer or a developer. But you think, okay, so if this happens, this triggers that, and then that triggers this. It just, there's some real cool things you can set up with it. I have friends who who went so far as tying it into a sports sticker. So when their favorite team scores a goal, the team colors start flashing in the house. I mean, people, yeah, that, people, that's taking it too can, far. I, don't, I think it is too far, but who knows? I mean, it's you know, if that's what you like. If that's what tickles your fancy, then so be it. Oh, I got to tell you a really, got to tell you a really funny Apple story before we take a break here, which is, I ordered the new iPad, um, the 2020 iPad with the lidar sensor. I ordered the new smart keyboard, which they're calling the uh, Hang on, the magic. The iPad Magic Keyboard, yes. the one with the trackpad, which I know you know is kind of useless for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have the two boxes in my hand right now, okay? Magic keyboard, nice, thin, svelte box, great. Pretty heavy. I got the iPad box in my left hand, and it is lighter than the keyboard. <laughs> and and then I think to myself, wait a second. How can it be lighter? There's a power adapter in here. There's a cable in here. There's stickers in here. And it's still Stickers. Those still weighty lighter. stickers in there. Yes, of course. So now I hold both boxes together. And then I hold my MacBook Pro, my 16-inch MacBook Pro in my left hand, and both of these boxes in my right hand, and they're about the same weight. Ah, Well, okay, okay. Now, I'm going to say normally this would be ridiculous, but see, now the keyboard, that acts as a sort of case as well, doesn't it? Well, it is a case, but, I mean, you can't wrap it around the back, so you can't hold the – you you still have to pull the iPad off the mount in order to just use the iPad alone, so you get no protection there. Well, there you go. It's It's a mount, so it's got to hold the weight of the iPad anyway, so the keyboard needs to be weighty to hold the weight and the angle of the iPad. I understand, John. I understand why. No, I fixed it. I've sorted it out for you. (laughs) (laughs) But I understand why. I understand why, but when it comes to this being a useful portable accessory – it is anything but portable. I mean, it is in physical size, but when it comes to the weight, this is not going to, you know, make it easier oh, on my back when I'm on, carrying stuff around. How heavy is it? We're not talking, you know, a oh, 1980s Sean, mobile Sean. phone sort of size here. Uh, Sean, we're we're talking about. God, it's got to be. The two boxes in my hand are, are heavier than my MacBook. I mean, this is heavy. Mm, but you know what? It, it does. I have to open it, and I have to open it up because um. My intention has always been to return both these items, right? I order them, try them out, see how they're, you know, see how they go, review them Dishonest. for the show. Yep, I like that. And, and, and send them back. <laughs> yeah. However, a friend of mine did the same thing with the keyboard case, and he opened it in front of me last night on FaceTime. And he's like, Mark, this is kind of nice. 
Mark, this is a uh, this is this actually might be worth keeping. Oh. And it's five hundred dollars Canadian. I mean, don't this is not it. a cheap accessory. Don't open it. Don't take don't that risk. It. Of don't you open it. To keep it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't open it. Oh my lord! Uh, this is Double Tap Canada. I am Mark Flallow in for Stephen Scott. In case you haven't paid attention and don't realize that, uh, with Sean Priest. Sean, what's the phone number again for people to leave a message for us? The phone number is one eight six six five zero nine four five four five. And don't forget to give us permission to use your audio on the air. Thank you. Let us take a quick break. Uh, of course, the email address is feedback at ami.ca. And when we come back, I wanted to talk about headphones. I want to talk about some wearables. And I want to talk, talk about my next trip to see you guys uh, overseas. Ooh. It is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. We are back on Double Tap Canada. I am Mark Aflalo sitting in for the, I guess we call him now vacationing, Stephen Scott. Is he on vacation at this point? <laughs> Who <laughs> the, knows? It's been that long. It has been that long. I mean, I don't remember, I don't remember what he looks like. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> in for Stephen Scott with Sean Priest, uh, you know, talking all things tech this week. If you guys want to get involved, of course, the email address is feedback at ami.ca. On Twitter, it is at Double Tap Canada. And the phone number again, Sean, is one one eight six six. Five zero nine four five four five, And don't forget to give us permission to use that audio on an upcoming show, which we absolutely will. Um, I wanted to talk headphones for a bit because I, I realized I have a problem. And um, <laughs> uh, my problem is I love headphones. I, I mean, I love headphones. Oh, you're not one of these with a big collection of headphones. Not intentional. It, not intentional. But I think that if you do look at my... My gear and my kit, as Stephen would call it, uh, I've got way too many pairs. I mean, right in my immediate vicinity, other than the headphones I'm wearing now, I've got a pair of the Jabra Elite 75T, which are these nice in-ear Bluetooth headphones. Mm-hmm. I've got the Powerbeats wireless, the new Powerbeats, um, Ooh, nice. without the wire entirely. Uh, I've also got, this is where I go a little bit stupid, this is where I have the Ultimate Ears custom, custom-molded in-ear monitors. Oh, whoa, 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 okay, hoarder. Hang on, let me step in here. How do they work? Um, have you got to go somewhere to get your ears molded? Well, you used to have to, okay? So originally, this and this goes back to <laughs> like the late 70s, you had to have an audiologist do an impression of your ear. You basically put this one-inch block in your mouth to hold your jaw in a perfect position because if when it comes to your ear canal... What? Yeah, well, when it comes to your ear canal, when your jaw is in a perfect position or in a specific position, it opens up the airways properly and it opens up the ear canal a bit. So mm. you put this block in your mouth and they mix these two putties together. They inject them into your ear and they wait about a minute. It hardens and it comes out and they have a perfect mold of your ear. Okay. Then you yeah. take this mold after you pay them $100, $200. You send them to the company that which you paid another thousand dollars for for the earphones, and they uh, back of the day they would create another mold, and then they would actually create a cast and put all the electronics in the cast, and you'd get back these perfectly molded custom in ear headphones. The benefit of these, of course, for musicians at the time was you know on stage it would be a perfect seal, no external audio would bleed in, so they can control what they hear. You know when you see a musician yeah. on stage and they have headphones in, it's not. So they can hear what's going on. So they can hear what they want to hear. For example, you know, I'm a big Metallica fan. 
You know, on stage, the guitarist tends to want to hear more of his own guitar. Doesn't care much about the drums. He wants to hear his own mix. So yep. nowadays, though, and and there's a couple companies out there. There's Ultimate Ears, which is owned by Logitech. There is um, 1964 Ears. They're a really good company. There's a company called All Claire Audio. There's probably about a, about a dozen different companies out there. But Ultimate Ears probably has the biggest stranglehold in the market, mostly because they're constantly innovating. The way they work now, they have their own what's called a fit kit. They send these home. You basically buy the kit and you open it up. And I, I've done a video on this, the whole process. And it was like a 15 minute video because it was, the process was this long. Um, you basically uh, pair these to Bluetooth. You put them in your ear and it walks you through the entire process on your phone. And it actually heats up this actual material and does no. a mold right there. And if it Why? doesn't do it properly, it can actually, um, soften up and redo it again. Then you take this and you send it back to them. They keep the fit kit, but they send you back your headphones. So at home... That's mad. I mean, that's is, impressive, but, but that's crazy. When you get these headphones and when you try in-ear monitors for the first time, but I'm talking about custom molded in-ear monitors, you yep. will never be able to wear another pair of headphones again because they're specifically made for your ear there's no pressure there's no long-term annoyance because there's something pushing on your ear because they're over the ear there's no yep. pressure on the inside of your ear plus they're completely blocking out the external sound because they're made for your ear canal so they're and, and the and the result is that you don't have to listen to music as loud anymore because you're not trying to get it past the two curvatures in your ear to your eardrum so you're actually putting less strain on your ears and you're doing a good deed for your body in the process. <laughs> well, that's the thing with, I mean, in-ear headphones or earbuds are just an absolute nightmare for me. I, I, they just annoy me all the time and I don't like the feeling of pressure. I know the um, AirPods Pro sort of did a lot to get rid of that feeling of pressure and being squeezed. Um, but th th that's still a big thing for me. But, I mean, what sort of costs are involved in oh, this sort well, of... Well, I mean, you can you can get into a pair of custom-molded in-ears for as low as $300. Which actually isn't bad when, you, when you're talking about Well, that's exactly it. But if you look at the, at the Bluetooth, um, some of these headphones these days, you're looking at $299, $399, $499. Some of the higher ends are, are way more expensive. The, the most expensive in-ear monitors go up to almost two or $3,000. Um, and the difference is, is the types of electronics they use inside and the materials in which they use. So it really depends on, on your choice and um, what you want to hear. I'm, you know, I went for kind of the mid-range. Um, I got a discount. I'm not going to lie about that. They gave me a media <laughs> discount, and I did do a full review on it. Um, yeah. But I was very honest about my experience and about the sound, but I love them. I absolutely love them, and there's, when there's instances that I cannot use them, like now, for example, because I'm wearing a broadcast headset, um, I, I, I really miss it because I find the pressure to be annoying. I find it to affect my balance. I find yep. it to affect you know everything, and plus I'm listening Sweaty to things too loud. Yeah, it's, it's, quite, <laughs> it's quite annoying. So, uh, man, it feels like you're a bit out of my league now because I was no, no, going to say about AirPods and other you know lower-end I can't but those aren't, but those aren't lower ends. Because, are I mean, lower end. Here's the thing. Here's my question for you. Okay, with the AirPods, okay, I bought the original AirPods. I used them for a day. They don't stay in my ear because I guess I have small ears or whatnot. My wife took them. She loves them. She's always loved them. They never fall out of her ear. I got the yeah. AirPods Pro. I had to, of course, experience it. Again, same problem as they would not stay in my ear very well. But what struck me uh, as great was the transparent hearing. 
you know, the ability to tune the amount of volume of the external environment to what's going on. And of course, you know, when you've got kids, when you're doing stuff at home, to not have to constantly take them out to listen to what's going on is definitely useful. But I can imagine, you know, for someone, you know, who, with, with low vision, who's out and about, who's relying on a Bluetooth connection with their phone to give them directions, or that's got to be fairly helpful, does it not? Oh, not just helpful, it's vital. Yeah, we got we got to have that environmental noise. So, I mean, the options that we've got are bone conduction, yeah. um, which are which are great and work really well from that aspect. But if you're talking music and audio quality, not great. Fine for speech and vocals, not great for listening to music. Obviously, um, you've got the Bose frames, which are the uh, the fire into your ears sort of speaker, where they're built into the frames of the glasses and uh, it's almost like a shotgun speaker. It just fires it directly into your ears. Or now we've got something like the AirPods with the pass-through transparency. You've got the Amazon Echo Buds, of course, which have the same sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to in-ear, having that pass-through feature, that's got to be essential, isn't it? I mean, has the custom fit earbuds got that? No, not, not not yet, unfortunately, because there there there's no physical pass through, so there's nothing that can actually pass through. So the only way they'd be able to do it would be using the microphones on the actual cable or on the Bluetooth cable to actually emulate that, which wouldn't be a bad thing. But they haven't they haven't gotten to that point yet because they're not meant but for if, that. Yeah, but if the seal is so good that it, I mean, it really does seal out all external noise, you think that sort of I don't know. I, I think we're at a stage now where the the pass through audio feature is almost something that should be there all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I first experienced this. There was a company called New Hera that were making specifically uh, earbud, uh, hearing protection. So they were earbuds not for music. They didn't even have Bluetooth features in terms of playing music through it, that they were meant just for this, to block out certain frequencies of sound. And I, mm-hmm. I first, you know, obviously got my hands on those. I'm like, this is really cool. Now we need to add all the other elements to it, which was really neat. So I think that moving forward, we're going to see this. I know on my Jabra Elites, they have that feature, and it is quite nice. But what's interesting is that while it emulates the fact that, you know, with the microphones and brings sound into your ear, it's not really opening up anything. So the pressure is still on your ear. So you still feel that pressure, and it doesn't yeah. alleviate that element of it. I think, to be honest, I, I, I'm not a fan of any in-ear. Um, I, I still love the original AirPods, the Apple AirPods design, where it goes... I mean, what do you even call that? It's not over ear, on ear, where it just sits just in the inside of your That's ear. That's on ear. So yeah, I would call that on. I mean, uh, I would it's, call that yeah. on ear, but I think they would still call it in ear because they're still smaller. In your ear. Yeah. But I mean, for for me, that they were perfect. That's a really nice design because the the external noise can still get in, but they do sound, you know, decent enough. Um, I I'm, I'm not really an audiophile when it comes to headphones. Stephen will will tell you that anyway, but. It depends on your usage, though, isn't it? There's those times where you want to sit in the living room and really, I don't know, put Pink Floyd on and really dive into it, and you want that amazing audio quality. But most of the time, 99.9% of the time, it's just I want to hear voiceover or I want to hear my GPS directions while I'm walking about, you know? So audio quality is very much, it's not the main thing for me. Okay, fine. Be that way. All right. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I can imagine, I mean, I can imagine, um, you know, for people who are using them, especially for assistance while out there navigating the world, that it's so important to have that feature. And the fact that it's taken so long for it to get here is is quite 
kind of startling to me. Well, I mean, it's just the um, the growth of the wireless earbuds, you know, since the AirPods. I think that's the thing that's really made this essential because before uh, in-ear wasn't that that popular, I don't think. There was a lot of, as I said, the, the earbuds, the original Apple earbuds, that design was really popular. But once you start placing you know, basically earplugs in your ears, then, you, you know, you need that pass-through thing. And um, actually, just going back to iOS 14 and accessibility features for a moment, there is rumours that there is going to be a way now that you can um, almost EQ that pass-through, that transparency. So um, particularly for people that use hearing aids or something like that, you can, uh, what they're saying, it's rumoured that you'll be able to tailor what is actually passed through if it's high uh, volume not high volume the high frequencies or low frequencies which um depending on how much control they give you for that could be actually pretty cool as well yeah you know it's funny because you know this leads me into something else i wanted to talk about which was um obviously the, the number one place where I, I took advantage of all these features which was air travel you know, I used to, obviously, before everything was going on in the past, you know, couple months, um, I'm, you know, I traveled a fair bit, you know. I was Jet-setting Playboy, we know. No, yeah, I wish. <laughs> if I was a jet-setting Playboy, I'd have my own plane, and we'd have no issues. I'd have no uh, hesitation yeah. getting on a plane right now. But I can't even, I mean, and I know you don't leave your shed, but I'm, I'm curious if you... Correct. If you've ever, you know, thought about it, uh, you know, how has your mindset changed over the past couple of months about getting onto any kind of public transportation, whether it be a plane, whether it be a train, whether it be anything with masses of people, even a gathering for a concert. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine when I'm going to be comfortable with that again. It's tricky. We did touch on this. Was it last week? I, I, it's going to take a while, even when everything is lifted and, you know, everything is open, every service is open and social distancing is over. Uh, it's that, are we ourselves going to feel comfortable in crowds? And no, I don't think we are. I think there is going to be that period of adjustment. Now, how long that lasts, I don't know. But when it comes to something like public transport, I don't think people have much choice. Once everyone's getting back to work and that commute becomes a daily thing, I think people are sort of... You're just forced together anyway, and because of that, after a while, I think it will become the norm again. Well, they're talking so about uh, t- they're talking about an air travel about you know um, not letting people buy the middle seat anymore. Uh, well, good. Yeah, they're talking. I about- mean, I hate I hate <laughs> the way they oversell airplanes anyway. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, but it's also going to so- drive the price up because they you know they've been overselling airplanes in order to give us lower fares. Yes, they make money and they put money in, and there's lots of profit that goes in their pocket. But I think we're going to see a jump in in the cost of air travel, which is unfortunate because I think it you know it makes the world accessible to people. It's a bit of yin and yang, though, isn't it? You know, because we got, I mean, there's so many reports now about the pollution. You know, the levels of pollution that are going down so much. And man, I took the dog out this morning and I walked just in the middle of the road. There's no traffic. Yeah. I didn't fall over any wheelie bins, walk into any lampposts. It's amazing. So <laughs> there, there are some positives to come out of that. Now, if it does mean that air travel, the cost of uh, air travel does go up again, maybe we've been spoiled in the past and yeah, maybe it'll make us consider it a lot more and maybe think of other options. So, yeah, I don't know. There's other conversations about um, being being checked, our temperature being checked without us even knowing when we walk into an airport. 
Um, I'm all for it. Wearing, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. Same thing. I, listen, I, I've, I've always said whenever I've gone through security at an airport and they always say, okay, we need to check your bag. I'm like, guys, do whatever you need to do to make sure I'm safe. If exactly. that means you rip it apart and I got to put it back together, then go for it. I'm not, I've, I've got nothing to hide. Make sure that I am safe so that I get to my family safe and sound because I couldn't care less what you do. As long as you, well, there's things I don't want you to do, but as long as it's in public, I'm <laughs> when okay. When they start with putting it. the gloves on, you worry. Yeah, exactly. When they say, <laughs> sir, can you come into this back room for a second and get comfy? That's when I, I, I kind of draw the line. But you're okay with that too? You're okay with, I mean, I mean, most people are okay, but some people like to take the whole civil liberties approach and, oh, how dare you infringe on my. I'm sitting on the fence so much in this episode because I do get it. I do get it. The people that say that these are our rights, these are our civil liberties, you know, and we got to make sure that people don't take them away from us for whatever reason. I get that. But at the same time, you know, for everyone's safety and security, for your own personal safety and security and for everyone else's, of course, you need to have these checks. And I don't see it as an invasion of privacy at all. I don't think it's anything to get angry or annoyed about. It just makes total sense to me. But then I'm all for uh, facial recognition. Um, I think anything that we have that could help find someone, whether it be a missing person or a criminal or whatever, whatever makes that detection rate easier, I haven't got a problem with at all. And I know loads of people out there that do have a problem with that. It's an invasion of privacy and whatever data protection. But for me, no. I'm more that the uh, the ends justify the means, I guess. But, of course, that can be taken to the extreme in uh, in some cases. I, I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing or perhaps I'm just a little little bit... Uh, I don't know what the word no, is. No, no, I agree with you. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think there's anything of it. I think that it, uh, any, any use of technology... That helps them make my world safer is better. Maybe someone who has more to hide has an issue with this. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I do understand that you know the governments can overreach, and you know you've got to look at certain governments in the world where they can use this technology for suppression and oppression. And you think, yeah, I see that, but I just want security for my family and when I'm out and about. And I think this this delivers it, so I'm willing to take that chance. Maybe. There's um there's a new app that just came out that I didn't even know was in existence and it's uh, I don't think it's new because it's been available in Canada for a bit of time it's called EID me okay so EID-me me and it was available first in Ontario and it basically is a secure app designed to store your driver's license your passport and personal information so that you can have it in your phone and it's secure for when you need it. So, for example, you get pulled over by a police officer or you go to an airport. You don't need to carry these documents anymore. And I was always waiting for what that would be, what the technology was going to be, whether Apple was going to try to do something in their wallet to make it accessible. And then this this app came out, and it's actually kind of interesting. Like, I actually scanned – it scans the actual NFC in the passport and pulls the information wow. on it. And, and same thing in the driver's license. And obviously, they've worked with, with local authorities to make sure that it's all there. Um but it's nice to see the ability to finally be able to almost be somewhat paperless. Like you don't, I mean, with with cards in my wallet on my phone, with um, with all this stuff available to me um, on my phone, and by extension, it means that I can be wearing this on my smartwatch. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't remember last time I carried cash. You know, everything. everything. Well, and that's the thing is, I tap, I, I tap everywhere. I 
I don't know about in the UK, but we still have to put our card in for pins and, and card scanning it sometimes. No, yeah, but, we're, we're um, all contactless over here. But again, we're going. We're going. I think the world is now going contactless because no one wants to touch money exactly. anymore. Exactly. Right? Yes. So yes. no one wants to sign anything. No one wants to touch anything, which is kind of cool. And when when they finally made that available on the Apple Watch, the wallet, you know, and the ability to just kind of tap your watch there, I remember people looking at me in awe, going, "Oh my God, he can do that." That's crazy. Yeah. Um, which, which you know, leads me into kind of the last thing I want to talk about this week, which was smartwatches, because they've come so far, but I find myself, regardless of which watch I've tried, and I've tried a lot. Uh, I mean, I've tried the expensive Tag Heuer one. Ooh. I've tried the Samsung ones. Nice. I've, uh, yeah, you, you name it, and I've had it on my wrist. I always end up back at the Apple Watch, and I hate it. I hate myself for it. <laughs> I really do. Why? I don't want to be relying on Apple. I don't. <laughs> But they make great stuff that's always better than everybody else's. Yeah. Why? How dare they? It's it's intentional too. Why do they do this? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why that's the point. I mean, when Android Wear was released, I, I really thought wow, I was this, Yeah, exactly. This could be the competition that every everything needs. You know, particularly smartwatches. Um, but what happened to it? You know, like a lot of Google stuff, it's sort of eh, we've. Lost a little bit of interest. Oh, no, we're going to put some more into it. Ah, no, we've lost interest again. And it never really got where it should have or reached its potential. So I don't know. Look, I haven't used a lot of Android Wear devices. Um, the Samsung watches running, was it Tizen? Um, yeah. I know they do have accessibility features in there, which is, of course, the major issue if you're visually impaired. A lot of the Android Wear watches didn't have speakers at the beginning, so you know, totally inaccessible to us. But I know Samsung Tizen does have screen readers, and uh, but it's just not done as well as Apple do it. And yeah, I agree. It's annoying, but it's a fact. So what do you think is next on the Apple Watch horizon? And I know that we're we're nearing WWDC. We're nearing iOS 14. We're nearing WatchOS. Oh, what are we on now? I don't even know. What six watch OS or seven? Six. I think we're on six. Right. So uh, we're going we're to WatchOS 7. What, what would you like to see on that Apple Watch? Well, I mean, generically, and when it comes to Apple, I want to see them open it up because there's so many devices which I think, imagine what they could do if they let other third parties in there. The Apple TV, I thought, was going to be amazing, and it is so accessible, but basically it's a Netflix and Apple TV device. Um, the but app- can they can they open it up without compromising their accessibility like can they if they open it up is it not maybe i think risking too much i think well i mean that comes down to the app store guidelines you know uh, all elements need to be labeled they don't do that now anyway um so they're not forcing developers for accessibility but excuse me but the the, the app accessibility does seem to be great so I, i don't know it just seems like when it comes to the apple watch um, it's not reached its potential because it is quite powerful now. The battery life is really good. You know, it lasts me a day and a half easy. Charges up in about 10, 15 minutes while I'm in the shower. Do you and have then... the latest one? Do you have the one with the uh, with the always-on feature? No, no. Uh, okay. Pointless to me, really. A lot of us turn the screen off. So um, yeah. it's. I, I know they're talking about blood oxygen levels in the yeah. next version, uh, which would be great because at the end of the day, the main use for these devices are just health trackers, you know? But I just think they could be so much more. Let's open it up to WhatsApp. Why can't I record a message and respond to messages, uh, WhatsApp messages from we'll my see Apple that. Watch? I think we'll see that come in the next version. 
Yeah, but when, when? We keep saying that since the Apple no, Watch I, Gen I, 1. It's, it's ridiculous that no, they no, don't I have think, that name. We've seen them open it up slowly over time. The other, other oh, apps are even more controlled. You're such an apologist, aren't you? I'm not apologizing for anything. I agree with you. I think, that <laughs> I think it should be completely open. But, I mean, I understand the need for a little bit of control because if you don't, then you're just going to cannibalize the system and you're not going to – listen, that's one of the first places that you'll see things starting to pop up that are no longer accessible. You're going to see things that are going to be like, why Why isn't this accessible? It should be. It's on an Apple device. And it's going to happen because they're going to open up too much and they're not going to restrict that. And then people are going to be like, I don't care about accessibility. And that's not good. And that's why having that stranglehold on it a bit, even though it's a little bit too tight right now, gives them the ability to make sure that when you put that watch on, that everything is going to be accessible. Wow, you put me in my place, Mark. I take it all back. No, <laughs> absolute nonsense. Of course not. So... They open it up, WhatsApp becomes, you're able to record messages and da-da-da-da-da. Oh, it's not accessible. Well, let's complain a lot and the developer needs to make it accessible. You know, uh, that, that, that accessibility comes along afterwards if the app isn't accessible anyway, if we shout it But it shouldn't. Enough. It shouldn't come along No, afterwards. it shouldn't. It should it happen shouldn't. right and, from the start. And I think Apple should make that part of the app submission that is your app accessible. It's got to pass this certain accessibility test. But, but then people are going to say, well, that's too that's too stringent. There's too stringent on us. Why should I have to have to? Well, then you I don't get feature? into the Apple store and then you miss out on a lot of revenue. Simple well, as that. Uh, right back where we started, aren't we? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So hang on, why do you keep going back to the Apple Watch? Why why not Android Wear? Why not the Tag Heuer? I don't know how you say it. Why not uh, one of those? Tag Heuer. Um, tag oh, Heuer. Well why do I go back to the Apple Watch? Um, familiarity, um, <sighs> speed. Laziness, I see. Um, yeah, laziness. I find the, I just design is nice. It's like, but I mean, what do you use? What do you use it else. for? I bet you're just going to say uh, health tracking, fitness tracking. No, That's I, it. Have you seen me? <laughs> I'm saying nothing. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't use it for health tracking. My wife uses it for health tracking. I use it for listen. I answer phone calls on it. Um, I've got the cellular option built in, so that if I forget my phone at home, I can answer calls. I can send texts. I can. I use it for a timer. I'm timing the show right now, so I know that I don't go over. You know, it's going to vibrate on my wrist when I'm going too long. Um, I yeah. use it for messaging back and forth when I don't have my phone near me. You know, I try not to keep my phone out and in front of me all the time because then my kids just yell at me. Um, okay, and, and then yes. I'm just a hypocrite because I tell them to put their devices away, but I'm sitting there on my phone, at least with a watch. I, excuse me. At least with a watch, I can stay in contact. Well, it's exactly the same. It's still a screen. It's just a smaller one. Oh, don't worry. I could do it secretly. Would it be wrong for me to tell you to shut up? <laughs> yes. Okay. Just I just wanted to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you keep going back to it? Oh, I have no idea. Because it's the only really accessible version, and oh, I am blah, using blah, it blah, blah, for blah, blah. health tracking. No, no, no. Look, look. It, it, it's great. To be honest, I could go back to the Fitbit. The Fitbit Charge 3, Fitbit Charge 4, the new one. I could happily go back to that for what I'm using the Apple Watch for. But, yes, the notifications, you know, being able to take calls and um, iMessage on, iMessages and Facebook Messenger on it, is pretty handy as well. It's, it all comes down to being part of that Apple ecosystem, doesn't it? You know. Okay, fine. I give it to you. I give you this win. I mean, you know, what? I'm curious. You guys okay. out there, you guys are listening. What do you What do you have? Do you use a smartwatch? And if so, which one are you using? I know that the majority are going to come back and say, "Oh, I use the Apple Watch." But you know what? I think just by all me right. just by me saying that, I'm just poking the bear here. I want yes. people to argue with me because you know why? You know why, Sean? Why? I'm not going to be here next week. 
Oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> well, well done. So email feedback at ami.ca. <laughs> Tweet the hell out of at Double Tap Canada. And don't forget to leave a message because I will not be here to retort. <laughs> Directly so you to you can blast Stephen. me all you want. Exactly. <laughs> Hang on, I'm still here. Scott. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how I don't care. Thank you. Uh, what's the phone number? The phone number is one 509 4545 And don't forget to give permission for us to use your audio on air. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for uh, allowing me to sit in for uh, Stephen Scott. I, uh, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss gonna you. Miss I feel like this has been a weekly therapy session, quite honestly. I feel like we've bonded, Mark. Uh, yeah. I'm going to send you an email after, and we'll, we'll meet up on Facebook. Can we do that, please? Well, let's Zoom. I don't want to... <laughs> With a background? Can we put a background up, please? Oh, no, forget it. No, you've put me off now. If you're going to put Star Wars backgrounds <laughs> on your Zoom, that's it. I don't want to know you. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for allowing me to sit in for Steven. And uh, I hope to be back as maybe a guest next time so I can talk less. You can never leave. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> no problem. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.